0: Hey, Business Building Warrior, welcome to another episode of Silent Sales Machine Radio. This is a Coach's Corner episode, which means I'll be bringing on Brian and Robin Joy Olson in just a moment, two of the great coaching directors on our team. Did you know we have about 60 coaches on our team who are all successful, proven Amazon course students who've built beautiful businesses and we use their skills and talents to help coach others around here on what it is that we do. So in today's episode, they're going to talk about setting some goals for your Amazon business, some of the things that they're seeing among their students as they set goals and try to achieve them. And uh, just, I'll let them do the talking on that one. I think it's a fantastic concept, the way they break it down. Uh, They talk about the easy ASINs and the hard ASINs, the easy listings and the hard listings, the process of kind of maturing into your Amazon business. And then finally, they talk about your shipments going to different places When we send inventory into Amazon, sometimes they want us to send it to different warehouses. Even you got a 15 units and they want five to go to one place and five to another and five to a third. How do you deal with that? There's a way we could send them all to one place. Is there any advantage to sending them all over the place? They talk about that. It's just a great episode diving into some very specifics. Now, if this is the first time you've heard our podcast or you've only heard a few, I really encourage you go listen to five, 10, 15 of the success story interviews that we love to do here. You can hear student after student after student. We've got hundreds of interviews with people who have used the Proven Amazon course, our coaching program, to build beautiful businesses, and we just talk with them. But once a week or so, as we're about to do, we love to do Coach's Corner, where we bring you content for those of us who are already doing the business. Who better to talk to than coaches who are having numerous sessions with our students every week around here? There's links to everything we're about to talk about at silentgym.com, including a link to our free Facebook group with over 74,000 business building warriors from all over the world. If you're not in there, get in there. If it's been a while since you jumped in, hey, there's something I've been doing the past few weeks that might really interest you. I've been taking screenshots out of my own Amazon seller account and showing you the exact data of what we're selling, how much it's selling for, what we paid, how we made the decision to sell against that product, Jump in and look for those discussions. There's always an image associated with them. It's a picture of a graph, and it talks you through why I'm doing what I did. You can find those very easily in the photo section inside of our Facebook group. Scroll through You'll see them and hopefully join the conversation. It seems to be a pretty popular topic and I enjoy doing them. Many of the other leaders on our team, I think are gonna start doing them as well. So enjoy those. Great ways to learn. It's completely free great ways to learn what's working well for the leaders in our community. All right. God bless you, Business Building Warrior. Thanks for hanging out with us today. I'm going to turn it over now to my good friends, Brian and Robin Joy. Enjoy this episode.
1: Welcome back to Silent Sales Machine Radio. We are your co-hosts. I'm Brian.
2: And I'm Robin Joy. And this is Coach's Corner. Hey, Brian, I heard something this week that I want to share with everyone. It really was impactful to for me, but I can't remember how I heard it. I, I'm not sure it was this week, but very recently I heard this, and I can't remember who said just the other day. It. Just the other just day. Just the other day. You know, <laughs> the other day. This is that's a it family joke. Mm. <laughs> but what I heard was if you write your goal on a piece of paper, we all know to write down our goals, right? We know the value of that. Write down your goal on the piece of paper, then turn the paper over on the other side of the paper write down what it would take to achieve that goal. Mm-hmm. What would it cost you in time, money, efforts, whatever you have, what would it cost you to achieve that goal? Mm-hmm. Then that's that's what I heard. And then you decide whether you're going to do it or not. But what I want to add to that is when I started doing that for myself, I realized that I have now defined what it's going to take for me to get to reach that goal. I have a decision to make now, right? I have to decide, am I willing to do what it takes to reach that goal? Just writing down the goal didn't get me there. Just writing down what it takes doesn't get me there. What gets me there is the decision. Am I willing to do that? And then I'm still not there. Am I? If I decide I am willing to do that, then I have to do it. Mm -hmm. But if I do, then I can watch my goals come to pass. Mm-hmm. I can watch my dreams come true, right? What do you think it. about that?
1: So I think that's great. One of the things I want to help bring clarity to this point, mm-hmm. we talk about writing down goals. Yeah. Goals are typically where like, it's some milestone event, like, oh, I want to have in <laughs> this business, right? I want to have $10,000 a month in sales, or I want to have $50,000 a month in sales, or I want to have a seven-figure business. Mm-hmm. Those are goals, yeah. right? But let's, let's, wrong let's like that. focus on what is the outcome? right? Yes. It's sort of like this, you know, when you're in the sales um, business, you're mm-hmm. not telling someone about how fancy your drill is when they're, what all they really want to do, the customer wants to hang a picture, yeah. right? Well, all they're really interested in is uh, they don't care about the drill. They care about the hole that the drill makes so they can hang the photo. Fo- yes,
2: they right? care about the result so, that that tool will give them, right? right? So
1: let's not focus on the $50,000 a month or seven figures in sales. Let's focus on the, what are the outcomes of that, right? What does it mean for your lifestyle? Yeah. What does it mean for your relationships? What does it mean for your, I say, everything kind of comes back to lifestyle for me. Sure. Right. Does it mean that you're working your security, less? Your, your security, right? We talked the other day about the things that we want to be able to control in our lives, not being subject to an insurance company or the exactly the way that an insurance company works. You know, so those kinds of things are more meaningful, right? What is it that the that we talk? We've also talked about like car payment money, house payment sure, money, right? We have when we're talking about instead. Of I want
2: to have a baby. I want to send my kids to college. college. Send my grandkids to college. I want to uh, help my daughter get married, you know, several goals that we've, we've had, but these are the outcomes of meeting, meeting those achievements, Mm -hmm. right?
1: Right. So it's not the achievement necessarily. It's not the sales amount. Mm -hmm. It's not the profit amount. It's the, what is it getting for you in your life? That's, what's really going to be the motivator not the dollar amount, not the, you know, the, you know, gold bars that we all love to look at that we're addicted to on our phones. <laughs> right. Sure. Th- those are great. Those are great. Those are leading indicators of what, you know, the and re- those
2: are the things that help us keep going right. towards our goals.
1: Right? right. But when, when we're having a day when the gold bar isn't as tall, yeah. right. Or no gold bar appears when we're just getting started, then we have to remember why we are doing this and it's for the outcome. It's not for the dollar amount.
2: Right. It's not going to help me on a day that's really tough, and I really don't want to do this today, mm-hmm. it's not going to help me for you to tell me $10,000 a month in sales, because that's just a number. Right. What's going to help me is, remember, you wanted to send your grandkids to college. Mm-hmm. Remember, you wanted to offer something to someone. Remember, you wanted to buy an engagement ring for your for your girlfriend.
1: Remember, you wanted to take a family vacation to Disney. Yes. Remember, you wanted to you know spend more time with your grandparents you yeah. know, your, your parents, even, you know, who, who knows, who knows? it could be whatever it, those things are that are important to you. That's what is the goal for me. Yes. Right.
2: And it's then the and, result it's and, what you get after you meet those goals. And
1: then you, when you're writing that down, you're, you're saying, okay, here are the things that I want in my life. And then we're talking about, are you identifying what is going to get that goal, Mm -hmm. identify the vehicle. We've talked about multiple vehicles, right. In our, in our lifetime, Mm -hmm. what is that vehicle? We happen to be here talking about Amazon FBA and the replens business specifically Mm -hmm. um, on Amazon doing arbitrage. And if that's the vehicle that you're committed to, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: like, then you say, I mean, well, if that's the vehicle, then decide if you're going to commit to it. And if it is, then all the work that we're putting in right now, I know it feels especially in the early days Mm -hmm. where you're like, trudging along and not making any progress. Mm -hmm. But in the early days, that's what it it feels like. Progress comes, you know, gradually.
2: Gradually. Yes. Nothing happens overnight. You have to be willing to sit in the the grind for a little bit to get to the other side.
1: I was explaining to um, someone today it always looks like this hockey stick like oh look at I started and the, and then they went straight yeah. up in sales yeah and we missed but you missed the first you missed the first part or when you're actually when you're zoomed, of
2: that hockey stick
1: when you're zoomed out so much all you see is the line going like this but if you zoom in you see that the line really went like this for a long and I'm just doing a flat line maybe with a gradual incline over in the, you know right six eight, 10, 12 months even before before it shoots up right yeah so mm-hmm. anyway
2: Yeah. So that's, that's good stuff. I think uh, that really kind of helped me to have that conversation about why are we doing our goals? What does it take to meet those goals? And are we willing to do it? If we are, then do it.
1: And I would also just juxtaposition a little bit or paradigm shift on the, you know, what the goals are, the things that we want, what are the outcomes, and then decide uh, write down what it's going to take to achieve and that what it takes is not always a sacrifice. In fact, not always. if it feels like a sacrifice, maybe it's not the right thing. Or if it feels like a sacrifice now, find a way, and I said this before, to embrace it, yes. to to be engaged and to love that process because that's what, no matter
2: what the process is. Remember what that's going to get you. Right. And then then maybe you can love it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Like if your job was to drive 1,200 miles a day,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you're
1: like after 10 miles, if you're like, oh, I hate this, <laughs> it's going to be a long day, <laughs> yeah. right? But if you're like getting into it, you're figuring like, out right. ways to get better at it and loving I the can, sights and all that.
2: Yeah. I mean, fine things. I can learn a lot on the road while mm-hmm. I'm listening to, you know, courses or tapes or yeah. tapes, uh, not tape. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I'm old. Uh-huh. <laughs> Audio. Uh-huh. Not audio mm-hmm. cassettes. Mm-hmm. Audio. <laughs> audio, audio, listening to audio yeah. that will teach me things. I mean, there are ways. Yeah, there are ways to make it something good. Yeah, don't live in the in the the hardship of it. Mm-hmm. Make it something good. Yeah, because it's it's doing something good for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, I like it.
1: Okay, I like the next one.
2: All right, what's the, the next, next
1: topic point? here? We were talking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs in yes. a very fundamental sense, right? If you go and look up the pyramid of whatever at the very bottom of that is like breathe and have shelter and shelter and clothing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is your base. Clothing is even one step up. Like you can get by without clothing if you live in the right, you know, maybe.
2: Yeah. Right.
1: Temperature. Well, cavemen lived in the ice age. So right. Yeah. Theoretically, (laughs) but anyway, yeah. And, but as you progress, once you take care of the food and shelter, once you take care of the clothing, once you take care of the, Uh, safety issues, Mm -hmm. then you start building, you know, conveniences into your life, right? Mm -hmm. Or you start finding ways to be efficient at these things that you didn't necessarily care about in the beginning. Because in the beginning, all you cared about was getting food in your stomach.
2: Right, right. You don't care about recreation or downtime. Mm -hmm. You
1: care about surviving. And this reminds me of when we're just getting started in the Amazon business, when we're looking for replans, when we're looking for test-worthy ASINs. Yes. In the beginning, we take the ones that are more challenging than some of the others because they're, because we can do, we can do it. We can check the box of, in the beginning, we'll take any ASIN. We'll take whatever comes to us. So when I say any test worthy ASIN.
2: Right. That we'll take whatever comes to us because in often, I think what you're trying to say, hopefully correct me if I'm wrong. Often those are ones that other people are not looking for because they've moved on. Ex- right, exactly. So you got to start with those ones that might be a little more difficult. I heard somebody, maybe they don't all don't have to be difficult. If that's what comes to you though. Yeah. Go ahead and take that. And one.
1: Let me, and, and I like just give an example here. Right. Okay. In the beginning, uh, the early days for us, one of the asins that was on our replens list was an eight-pack uh, variety pack of mug treats from yes. Betty Crocker. Yes. And if, by the way, if you see any of those listings out there, I've looked at them because of the recent, you know, Section Three stuff that's going on. I would we avoid those. Down. Right, like I'm just, just listening, so don't make, making sure you're making sure you're checking all the boxes on getting the right kind of uh, test worthy asins. Yeah, but make sure you look there were bright. eight flavors, okay, and at yep. the time Walmart Walmart carried all eight flavors in most stores. However, when we would go into Walmart, they would invariably be out of one or more of the flavors. So then we had to go to Target. Mm-hmm. But Target only carried four flavors. And so ideally, if Walmart was out of one of those flavors, it was the one that Target carried. And then if it wasn't, then I had to go to my local grocery store, which was not a national chain, and pay like a dollar more a box to get it. But it was worth it mm-hmm. to me because the amount of profit that we were getting on that one ASIN was like it was kind of $10, $12, yeah. right? So I was okay to pay an extra dollar or two.
2: We didn't have enough ASINs that were better yet. Right. I remember that. And it was big. And uh, had to go a box. and was heavy. We had heavy. boxes. Yeah. There was, right. There was a, a lot of work a, there.
1: A similar one was we had this 12-pack, variety pack listing of uh, this powder drink mix. Oh, yes. What, what was the... Do you remember the name of the powder um, drink mix? I don't remember. Anyway. And it, it, there were this 12-pack, variety pack. All of them were 12 different flavors. There was 12 different flavors. And nobody carried all 12 flavors. Exactly. So you could get some at Walmart. You could get some at Target. You could get some at your local, uh, like CBS. I mean, not local, but at CBS or Walgreens. And then you can get some at the local grocery stores.
2: Yeah, to go around town and and put it all together. And it was. We were willing to do that. Because we didn't have anything have anything better. And. Those things were awesome
1: from a profit perspective Mm -hmm. when we were able to fill them. The challenge was we couldn't sell 30 of them a month because we just couldn't get that many of them, right? So that forced us to diversify, which is what you want to do anyway.
2: Right, you're going to want to move past that, but in the beginning, that's what you have. That's what came to us. Mm -hmm. That's what we used until we looked at more ASINs and more ASINs and more ASINs, tested some more and found some, and got enough on our list where we could start replacing those difficult ones.
1: Yeah. When we're going through this pattern recognition in the early days, when you find one, you're like, you could look at a hundred and then you find one you're like, oh my gosh, this is it. (laughs) It stands out to you like a sore thumb and you're like, here's one, I got one, right? And then uh, the other challenges will ensue. Oh, it's out of stock. I can't get it. You know, (laughs) any number of things will happen, but on the ones where everything lines up and it seems like you know, everything needs to be in perfect alignment throughout the universe and when you're just getting started in order for you to find one sometimes. Yes, it seems
2: like that. It it seems
1: like it, but it's because it's this pattern that you're not used to looking for yet. And once you find one, then you grab it and you prove the concept out. You send it in, it sells. Yes, you make profit. Okay, great. Now I'm gonna go buy some more of that and I'm looking for more. Yes. Right.
2: Always gotta be looking for more. We still test new ASINs all the time. All All the time.
1: All the time. So you're looking for more, and the more you look, the more, the more better you get, <laughs> right? Of recognizing that, seeing the pattern. Yes. Right, and I love that Jim's been sharing a lot of those pattern type things. Yes. Um, in uh, the Facebook group recently, where we're like, "Hey, here's one. Look at Keepa says it has uh, 37 drops a month. I've sold 380 of these over the past year, and what I sell it for is not even on the chart." Yes. Right. Those are awesome things, just to. And
2: that happens. It's real.
1: It's real. We're not asking everyone to, you know, just say, well, I'm going to buy whatever and put it out there about the buy box. No, No. this comes with experience. Also, keep in mind, Jim's been doing this for a few years. Sure. So, you know.
2: But we're giving you, we're showing you what the evidence is that you can have to not have to sell it right at the buy box. So when you look at an ASIN and Mm -hmm. you say, oh, well, it's selling for the same amount here as it is where I can buy it. Yeah, but that's not what we're asking you to sell it for. If you if you are doing the three-step check, mm-hmm. and do, you know, working with us, you're going to test that at much higher than the buy box in most cases. If evidence exists if, that, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yes. Well, anyway, the,
1: the point of this story is that in the beginning, you take whatever you can get, right? It's very mm-hmm. much, it's very similar to Maslow's hierarchy. You know, we're yeah. looking for anything that we can get our hands on that we can send in because we have nothing. Yeah. But as you build.
2: We're going to uh, get a palm uh, leaf to give ourselves shelter, even you, though that's not the best shelter that's some right?
1: As you get experience, you start getting better ASINs, you start understanding what works for you, what doesn't work for you, mm-hmm. and what you started off with. Those first six months, we don't sell. We yeah, don't sell any, any of any of those asins anymore. No, not many of them are still out there.
2: We've been we just through don't sell them anymore. Several iterations of going through our list and saying, "Okay, let's let's replace mm-hmm. the lowest profit ones, the hardest ones to get, with ones that are better." Mm-hmm. But we had a book of business before we started replacing asins, so that we had something to keep us afloat while we were changing
1: those out. Now, sometimes you don't have any choice. Sometimes it goes away and you have to, you know Yeah. Yeah. But That's ideally you need more. <laughs> ideally you're not saying, oh, I'm gonna cut out 50% of my catalog. Right. Um and and Just then go find art. 50 more percent right. or 50% more. <laughs> right. No, you want to replace you want to have new ones before you mm-hmm. cut the old ones out. Mm-hmm. All right.
2: All right. Good.
1: Good. <laughs> so one of the questions we saw in the Facebook group this week or I would say it was a question. Did you yeah. have something else on that? Or? No, I'm ready to go. Is this oh my shipments going to three different locations? How can I stop this from happening? Mm-hmm. And this feels like a real thorn in your side when you're just getting started. When you're only sending in 17 units and it has to go three different places, it feels really painful, right? Yes. But as you build up more and more aces uh, you, that you're either testing or replenishing, and you're sending in 50, 100, 150, 300 units in a week, mm-hmm. and you have to go to three different locations, and we all deal with that. Mm-hmm it's much easier to appreciate that. And there are some actual benefits that you get from that. There are. N- that are They are real benefits. It, Amazon's not just doing this to be a thorn in your side.
2: Correct. And speaking speaking of things that you can embrace and find the good in, instead of just complaining about them, this is one of those things, I think. Because we want our items, our inventory to be in as many places as possible throughout the country, because we want those to be close to as many customers as possible. We're only sending a few of each ASIN, especially when we're testing. So when they have to go to different places, and and you'll notice it much less and less as you grow your book of business and you're sending in more items, more items, more items, Mm -hmm. right? But The great part is it's closer to more people, a a larger variety of people that might be seeing your item closer to them. So I embrace that. I think it's great.
1: Well, I think just understand the process here. Okay. Okay, The process is if you wanted everything to go to one place, Mm -hmm. then you could send everything to that one place. You could do that. You can accomplish that by subscribing or signing up for the inventory placement service. Sure. And Amazon will charge you a per item fee to allow you to send everything to one distribution center and then they will part it out for you and they Mm -hmm. charge you a fee for doing that. Alternatively, when they're having you send it to three different locations, this is kind of like a discounted, I say discounted because I know we're paying shipping to get to yeah, those three right. locations. And so it works best at scale And when you're sending in more than, when you have to send more than three units to one location. But it is like a sort of a quasi or a pseudo inventory placement. You're getting your products to those fulfillment centers that Amazon was going to put those items in anyway faster, Okay. Yes. So unlike if you send everything to one distribution center and then everything goes into <laughs> so FC. So they have to
2: receive it all.
1: Everything goes into FC transfer.
2: And it goes into FC transfer. FC transfer. They put form. it on a truck. They send it to somewhere else. Right.
1: So by you sending your stuff to three different locations, you're taking one or more steps out of the process of mm-hmm. that FC tran- FC transfer process.
2: Right. Not no guarantees it won't still happen, yeah. but it happens much less mm-hmm. if you, you know, send it to where they have you uh, split your shipments up to. And again, this these are things that are cured mm-hmm. by growing a book of business. Yes. You will honestly you won't notice that nearly as much when you have You'll have a main place that you send most of your items and a few to other fulfillment centers. And you won't notice it near as much because you have a much larger book of business and you're getting much more efficiencies out of your shipments to start with. You'll have box filler and you have you have an understanding of how much to include for the expenses of shipment. That takes a little bit of time
1: to build. And it motivates you to, you're like, oh, I have to spend $14 to, to send three items to Dallas? Yeah what the heck? This is going to hopefully serve as a motivating factor for you to get more things, right? Right. Because the last thing you want to do is every week only be sending in 17 items. Yeah. So
2: yeah, a little bit early because we're not to the end here yet, but uh what cures that, Brian? Yes. Right. Yeah.
1: More More reasons, right? Um, Okay. This also allows the multi-dimensional buy box to come into play much sooner. Yes. Okay. When we talk about again the number of fulfillment centers that has grown over the over the course of the last decade yes. and um the number of so uh, potential destinations for your stuff to go to by you getting it there you're just asking Amazon to go that last mile you're going to be able to take advantage of not directly but you'll have the benefit of getting that multi multi-dimensional buy box sooner again mm-hmm. what does that mean your item is going to be in a warehouse close to a shopper that may not have any of the other uh, that may have those items other than yours, that's close enough to them. Mm-hmm. So when they go to, to order it, it's being your, they're buying it from you um, as opposed to you
2: the featured yeah, uh, person the feature or the the buy box fe- yes. because your, your inventory is closer to mm-hmm. them. So the chances of that happening mm-hmm. are greater when you're in more, more and warehouses and that happens sooner. faster. Yeah. It happens faster when you are sending to multiple locations. Yes. And time is money.
1: Time is money. And speaking of, like I feel like we've been going a uh, hundred miles an hour here. I know.
2: <laughs> Breathe. Yes. Okay. You have a quote for us, Brian. You yes. A quote? What do you got for us? I'm today? putting.
1: Uh, I like to come in with quotes. This one uh, comes fairly recently. I saw it over the weekend, actually. Coda Sanchez is somebody that I follow on LinkedIn. She had an awesome quote. I mean, it's just so fundamental and to the point. And it really goes like this. Us. It did. The most underrated secret to success. Are you ready? <laughs> You say you will do a thing and then you actually do the thing. 90% of people don't do this. Okay. The secret to success is say you're going to do it. No. The secret to success is actually doing what you say you're going to do. Yes. Which ties back so closely to what we started off with, right? Right. The write down, you know, the desired outcomes, Mm -hmm. write down what it's going to take to achieve that, and then decide whether you're going to do that or not.
2: When you decide that you are going to do it, do it.
1: Then do the thing. Do the thing right, and when that happens, when you commit, right, when you when there is uh, no negotiation in that, mm-hmm. then you'll experience the success.
2: Yeah, you'll get there if you're determined to get there. Yes. Yeah, and there's a lot, and there's lots of help.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, the best way the best way to get to ten thousand dollars a month in sales. I do know the best way. What is it? We test five. Five.
1: Test worthy testworthy Test worthy ASINs A week. A week. Every week. For six six months. months. Let me get to. Oh, we got it out of order. <laughs> we got it out of order. Okay. Three. Yeah. Three Okay. What? Three step, step. Uh-huh. Okay, well, three well, step try, check.
2: Try, trying to say three step check. Uh huh. And a four, four week, week test, test can get you five figures. A five month figures a month in six Within months. six months. Mm-hmm. If you're consistent. If you're consistently testing five, five ASINs. ASINs
1: a week. a week right that's it five ASINs a week that's all it takes
2: that's all it takes it gets you enough to have a balance in your shipment mm-hmm. but not so much that you're so burdened it's not possible yeah nonetheless more ASINs however you get there more ASINs you need to test more ASINs and you'll get there yep all, all right. right well we already said the uh, how do you solve that we did okay still the
1: way to how solve, you solve it. that
2: Still the way to solve it. More More (laughs) aces. All right, let's go get some more aces. Let's do it. Talk to you soon, everyone. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye
0: now. So thanks for hanging out with me today on today's episode. But before I let you go, I've got a special guest that we're bringing in once a week or so around here. You guys are saying you love these little segments I'm doing with Mr. Jeff Schick. He's my legal Amazon best Mm go-to expert and so many people in our community are working with him now, he really helps put us at ease and help us handle those IP complaints and Amazon legal issues it better than anyone in the industry from my vantage point, which is why we're bringing him on the
3: show. And what have you got for us today, Jeff? So I have an interesting one. This is a, a very commonly asked question and it's very commonly people don't know the answer. It is what should a seller do when they get an IP complaint? And so, Great because question. you know, the more you sell, the more... you're that just odds are going to happen, you're going to get an IP complaint. You know, it's not a matter of if, but when. And being having that plan in place is kind of like almost like you know coming up with your emergency plan so that you know, well, what are you going to do? So that way you think about it now when you're not stressed so that when it happens, you already know what steps you're going to take.
0: Yeah. And, and I don't want to say that it's inevitable, but with the model that we teach, it probably is going to happen at some point. And everyone gets nervous when they see that first IP complaint. So Walk us through. Uh, first, maybe let's start here. How serious is this, or how serious
3: could it be? What's my worst case scenario? And then let's talk about what do you do when you get it. More. So, worst case scenario is an interesting one because Amazon has a variety of different actions they can take depending on the type of claim. So, the worst case scenario claim would probably, you know, in my book, would be a seller having a what's called a confirmed counterfeit. That's where a brand. Went onto your listing. They bought the product from you, the seller. They then looked at it. They maybe maliciously, and some, and we've had it happen with a couple brands so far this year, where then they go to Amazon and they say, I want to make a complaint through brand registry and file counterfeit. And then it, Amazon has a question. That, this next question down is, Did you buy this product? And if they check yes and supply an order number, now we've pushed it from the counterfeit without a test buy into the confirmed counterfeit category. And so in those cases, it can drop a seller's uh, account health rating down to zero, and it can result in suspensions. So that's your worst case scenario. Typical, the most common IP complaints we see are counterfeit without a test buy. Those have about a four to 10 point impact on the account health rating. Amazon can, can double it in certain circumstances, so it could go up to 20 points. But either way, since you're starting at 200, even if you had 20 points taken off, that's not pushing you into the red zone because you still have you know dozens of more points to go before you get suspended. So it's you know certain something something to be mindful of. I'm not saying hey just you know start selling anything and everything that gets IP claims. They don't matter because that's not that's not what I'm saying. But.
0: That's not the message we want to send. Certainly, you do want to try to avoid them absolutely and and, and stay above board and, and you know keep right. keep good records and only buy from reputable sources. Uh, but we did actually have one of those where. We've innocently enough bought a small handful of a product that did generate that counterfeit IP complaint as confirmed by a purchase. And we had no idea that it was a counterfeit, but they came back and showed us, say the packaging is actually completely different. And, and we'd bought it from uh, it was like some kind of closeout. We used to do that. We don't do it anymore. This has been like five years ago. I don't ever buy anything from like closeouts, you know, discount bargain barns, you know, with bins of stuff. Like I don't sell that stuff on Amazon. Uh, Maybe that'll be a good segment for us to do sometime, but it happened to me and we weren't suspended. We had to stop selling it and we had to create a plan of action and we were fine. Is that the case most of the time?
3: So to answer your question, you know, when someone gets an IP claim, they don't often cause sellers to immediately get suspended, but left unaddressed and left, you know, where they continue getting more definitely is it can cause suspensions to happen. Now, there's an interesting, uh, I was asked this question today by a client. They said, what is Amazon expecting in terms of me to address this violation? It says on here, your submission is required. The person on the phone told me I must address this as promptly as possible. What does that acceptable timeline look like? And the answer to that is it depends. But it's typically not, it's somewhere between as fast as they want you to reply and as slow as you possibly can. So that you figure out and the reason for that you know is that you need to figure out the facts and so a big part of what my team does is that we do fact finding so anyone that submits an ip claim the first step before you know an attorney ever even touches the case is that we have one of our paralegals go through the case and look at all the facts because believe it or not what sellers see and what we see can be two different things and of course what amazon sees could also be number three (laughs) and so our goal is to make sure that we have all of our facts lined up in a row all of our documentation in order before we ever even start thinking about going to amazon because the last thing we want to do is go to amazon and say you know let's you know here's an interesting case i worked on recently it's you know let's say the product in question is velcro and we had a you know we have a private label listing that says Velcro on it because it has velcro, it claims to have velcro straps. And the Amazon account health rep would say, Oh, just turn in your invoice from your manufacturer. Well, what if our manufacturer's in China and it doesn't talk about velcro at all? It talks about hook and, hook and loop closure. Well, submitting that invoice to Amazon isn't going to clear up the IP claim because it's going to raise more red flags. Right. So, a big part of what my team does is we look at all the list, we look at all the facts in the case, we come up with a summary. That's when it then gets handed to myself, and I start looking at the case and really, you know, coming up with the attack plan of how we're going to, you know, how we're going, you know, what's the diagnosis and what's the treatment plan, and then from there we come up with, you know, the next steps on how to address the IP claim. So, you know, good for sellers as coming up with this, you know, this whole concept of IP claim emergency plan. Step one really is to get your documentation in order because you can't make any decisions if you don't know what you're dealing with. So, you know, let me repeat that because I think it's important. If you don't know what you're dealing with, you can't address the problem. It's so first step is recollect all your receipts, you know, look at what you sold. You know, we have a, I've had sellers where they're like, I swear it was a, it was Nike. It was a Nike shirt, you know, and then we pull the receipts and it's champion. <laughs> and that's, you know. And Nike doesn't file IP claims. So I mean, before people get freaked out thinking that Nike or Champion file IP claims because they don't, or have not, I should say. They haven't. You know, I'm not saying that they do, but you know, it's, a lot of times people will get hung up and they'll be like, it was a Nike listing. The PDP says Nike. And then we look at it and it's like, no, the, PD, the product detail page or PDP says you know, brand XYZ. So really we collect all the data up front figure out what kind of issue you have. And then now now you're able to then come up with next steps. Maybe that next step is that you decide that you're going to appeal it on your own. That's, you know, some sellers are, are confident doing that.
1: Yeah, I certainly. would
3: say, you know, one thing is if you get one rejection on your own, it might be time to think about looking for for help because one, the way Amazon system works, they keep a record. And so every rejection gets stacked in there. And by the time, you know, I had one seller come to me recently. They had submitted 12 appeals. Uh, this was for an account suspension. They had submitted 12 appeals on their own before they sought professional help. And I, going into it, I told him, I'm like, I just, you know, I'm prefacing this case that this is going to be tough because when we submit your appeal that I write for you, this agent now has on, you know, on monitor, on write monitor, they've got your appeal that I just wrote for you that they're looking at. And on the left monitor, they've got 18 red Xs saying that you've been rejected with notes next to it, why it's been rejected. It's really hard on number 19 for them to push the button and then have to write an explanation why they're overturning 18 other people that they said no that said no, that said your account should stay, you know, deactivated. On that case, we did win. That person took the time, they read it, and they reinstated the account on the first appeal. That's
0: Uh, phenomenal. Yeah. And that's the value of working with someone who knows what data and facts needs to be gathered and how to write that appeal. And, you know, I I don't want these segments to cause anyone's heart rate to go up or for anyone to lose any sleep. Quite the opposite. Once you've got a pro in your corner, the vast majority of the time these things all turn out okay. But you are going to see some of these, you know, we're we're selling on someone else's platform and we're selling other brands that we don't own. There's going to be friction from time to time but uh, Absolutely. don't let that take away from the opportunity as long as you're dealing with the pro. So when you get an IP complaint, gather your information, gather your facts. And if you're not a client of Jeff's, maybe that's a good time to start thinking about hiring someone who knows what they're doing. to Help you manage this scenario. But any, other, any other tips? I know this is a kind of a can of worms. IP complaints can go in so many different directions. Like how many different kinds of IP complaints are there? How do you
3: categorize Ooh. them? Um, well, so, okay. So let's think about it. There's, I like to categorize IP complaints by, um, and, and this is just received IP. We're not even going to talk about suspected IP or product authenticity complaints. But just on received IP complaints alone, there's trademark category, there's copyright, there's patents. Those are the top three categories that we look at. Now, within trademark, there's subcategories. So there's trademarks on product, trademark on product detail page, counterfeit, counterfeit without a test buy, Parallel Imports, which is actually a new one we should talk about, and because that just rolled out into the United States um, a couple weeks ago. And then there's uh, Trade Dress. Trade Dress, no one ever talks about. No one really even knows about it. And for arbitrage sellers, they'll never need to know about it. But it's funny, nonetheless, the the, uh, Hallmark case in in the Supreme Court case law is actually Taco Bell. They sued Taco Cabana which is a Texas version of uh, Taco Bell, although I think much better. And they both got into a lawsuit over who copied whose table design colors because they <laughs> each use different tile on the set the same tile on their table and wow. said that that was the hallmark of their store. So, huh. but okay, so that's trademark. Within copyright, we've got copyright on product. We've got copyright on product detail page. We then also have this other sort of weird copyright that very... Very seldomly comes up, but it's copyright counterfeit. That has to do with media and books, so DVDs, CDs, and, and books, and other you know printed stuff. And then within patents, uh, design and utility patents are the most common ones sellers would ever you know inter- interact with. But again, typically only comes up for uh, for private label sellers that have to worry about the patent cl- cases. Gotcha.
0: Well, that's fascinating to me. It just demonstrates the level of knowledge and experience that you've had, you know, four years doing this and helping Amazon sellers dig out of these little scary pits they find themselves in quite efficiently and with a high success rate. But still, I I mean, I just, I appreciate you being here and being a member of the community. And I think, you know, we could easily go much longer on this topic, but I think the main point of today's short episode is, hey, if if you run into some IP complaints and you're having trouble navigating them on your own, Jump over to okay. jeffschick.com. There's a link in the show notes. Hire a pro and sleep better at night, knowing that you've got someone who understands this landscape and can help you continue to navigate Amazon legally without uh, losing any sleep. So appreciate you being here, man. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you. Appreciate it yeah, for having it me on. Real Thank soon. you. Of course. Absolutely. Talk to you then.
1: Thank you for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio.